can have a seat. We're just so glad that you're here. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. And as we continue on this Good Friday, 
we're going to receive and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. And as we continue on, we're going to watch a play about the last week of Jesus and all and these people that, uh, that, w- that witnessed it. And so I want you to take it all in and just reflect on it. And if it's your first time that you've ever been in church, guys, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, I'm really excited about what God's going to do tonight and this weekend. So just sit back and take it all in. the way, the truth, and the life. The King of Israel? He is the Christ. They called him Messiah. Ah. He was God in the flesh. He was not a prophet, even if they called him one. He is my Lord. My Savior. This was the Son of God. He was the sacrificial Lamb of God. The same God that delivered our people out of Egypt has been faithful to us to this day. His love never changes.
as chief priest, I preside over the biggest celebration in our religion, Passover. It's the celebration of God freeing us from slavery in Egypt. There was so much to do in Jerusalem. The festivals, the service, the sacrifice, the Seder. And I was involved in all of it. But this Passover was more complicated than it needed to be. One of them came to Jerusalem. Yes, one of those zealots that claimed they could free us from the Romans. But this one was different. He said he was the Messiah. The Messiah! And he came at the worst possible time. Passover. Quite an irony. Pilate would need to save the Jewish people. Jesus... I remember him, yes, uh, from Jerusalem, that Passover. And yes, I'm the one who condemned him to die. Only Rome has the authority to condemn someone to death. But... Jesus, he's the one who came to Jerusalem that Passover. I remember, and yes, I'm the one who condemned him to die. Only Rome has the authority to condemn someone to death in this land. These zealots come every few weeks uh, like little mice, promising to throw the Roman lion out of the land. Pitiful, really. But this one was different. What puzzled me was... Uh, he didn't seem to care about overthrowing the Romans. In fact, he told them to obey the Romans, pay their taxes. If Jesus ever criticized the Romans, I never heard about it, and I would have. He, he was hard on his own religious leaders. If you ask me, Jesus didn't come to Jerusalem to overthrow the Romans. He came to overthrow the priests. I can't believe I ever denied knowing him. Jesus called himself Lord, the light of the world, the way to the Father. He said he was the truth. He said he was the life, the resurrection. We had waited so long. Jesus taught. He healed. He loved. But really, we didn't know where all of it was headed. Jerusalem at the Passover... It was going to be important one way or another. And we were ready for any sacrifice. Or at least we thought we were. We were certain the people were going to sweep him into power. Oh, the Passover meal with Jesus. 
when I see Jesus again, the first thing I'm going to ask him is about that meal. At the time, I thought it was just a parable. But now I know differently. It was our last meal with the Messiah. He passed the bread and the cup. The bread, he said, represented his body, and the wine, his blood. He said we should remember him each time we partook of the special meal. Remember him. So much happened that night, my mind was spinning. The only thing I knew for sure was how much Jesus loved us. No, how much he loves us. And the thing I struggle with now is that I'm certain as he passed the cup, he knew what was going to happen. He knew. But on that sacred celebration, Passover, they arrested him. Was justice done that night? Yes, mob justice. They came to my temple with torches in Jesus. Why were they so afraid of him? Why did they want him to die? Throughout history, when a mob came to the palace in the middle of the night, it was to overthrow a king. I have to admit, when I saw the mob, I, I thought, that, that, that's what I thought. And, and if you really think about it, that's, I, I was right. I, I mean, Jesus had the bearing of a king. He had the dignity and the wisdom of a king. And he cared for his people the way a king should. He deserved more than the betrayal of one disciple and the denial of another. It was a tragic sacrifice. At one point, this is what I thought he did it for. 30 pieces is what I make in a year as a centurion. That's what it took for Judas to betray Jesus. Although I don't believe that, I suppose it really wasn't for the money. Judas already made up his mind to betray Jesus before the negotiated price. In the garden, I awoke from a sound sleep to see Judas and the temple guards. I have no idea what happened before while I was asleep. I, I try to remember the good things. How Jesus obviously knew all of our faults, yet loved us still. How he raised Lazarus and threw the money changers out of the temple. How he took on the Pharisees. And in the garden... He simply surrendered without a fight. Then he would have understood the position I was in. I, I didn't have a choice. 
This, this isn't the only crown to bring pain to the man who bore it. It was a mob. I could still hear them screaming, demanding Pilate for blood, the blood of an innocent man. Pilate did what we needed. Jesus was a heretic and nothing more. We had to have his blood or the Passover would be desecrated. He wouldn't even take anything to deaden the pain. I would do anything to deaden my pain. The pain of my shame for having denied Christ. I would do anything to be able to hear just once from his own lips that he forgives me. But I lost that chance when they nailed him to a cross. Savior, 
He looked with fear upon his sword, then turned his face to Christ the Lord, fell to his knees and cried out, the whole thing, they think it's over. Pilate, copyists, the people, even some of the disciples. It's not over, it's just the beginning. This was not just a man. I've been to other regions, I've seen their gods. Superstition. Jesus was different. I don't understand everything about him, but I believe he is who he says he is. He was a king. The nails didn't hold him in that cross. My soldiers didn't hold him up on that cross. It was his choice to stay there. He allowed himself to be the sacrifice, the sacrifice for me. I believe he could have brought himself down from that cross. There's only one motivation that'll keep somebody on the cross, love. Passover was a day away, and we were up all night with that Nazarene Jesus. The holiday is too important for the people to be distracted. You see, our salvation depended on the blood of an unblemished lamb. We reenact this every year. As chief priest, it was my responsibility to sacrifice an unblemished lamb. That's why we're in such a hurry to end this problem with Jesus. I had to slay the lamb. Passover, the chief priest didn't just reenact the deliverance of Jesus. He was the instrument of their deliverance. I believe that he was used by God to sacrifice the blood of my son, Jesus, the Passover lamb so that we could be saved for all time. My son is the Messiah, and he came not as a warrior king, but as an unblemished lamb, whose blood would be sacrificed for the freedom and salvation of all God's people. 
bring peace to Israel. We now await only the arrival of the Messiah. If one is to understand the, 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 the scriptures, he could arrive even today or tomorrow. It's crucial that we follow the Passover sacrifices. If Israel follows the law, her temple will stand forever. Unless, of course, you listen to Jesus. Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. I guess we'll never know if he could raise the temple in three days. Do you know what these are? These are the grave clothes that Jesus was wearing when they placed him in the tomb. But when I went there that morning, he wasn't there. I wouldn't told anyone who would listen. I'm not sure if anyone believed me. You know, I saw the angel. Don't look at me that way. He was there. I need to go. I need to tell everybody. Do you know what the angel said? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's alive. Three days went by, again they came To move the stone and bless the slain With oil and spikes anointing, hallelujah But as they went to move the stone They saw they were not alone But Jesus Christ has risen, hallelujah Jesus appeared to us many times after that first night. He ate with us. He taught us. And He revealed to us all those things we hadn't understood before. And then He left to be with His Father. To be at the right hand of God. He told us He'll never leave us. He'll always be with us, even until the end of the earth. It spread like wildfire. The rumor Jesus has risen from the tomb, I, I believe it. I believe it happened. And when it becomes obvious, the news, the good news will spread for everyone with ears to hear. The world will never be the same. And 2,000 years later, he is still changing lives. The sacrifice offered at Calvary paid the price for everyone and for anyone who would accept him as Lord and Savior. Together, would you stand and celebrate with us his love, his sacrifice, and the power of the cross?
Amen. Aren't you glad to be here tonight? Let's thank our great God. You may be seated as we continue tonight. Uh, Tonight, we want to pause and just remember uh, the crucifixion. We want to remember the price that was paid. Uh, Tonight, our, our drama people here, they have done their best to show you, to give you a little bit of the insight. And I hope that it did make you think tonight, didn't it? Didn't it make you think? Let's thank them for what they've done tonight here to help us think about who Jesus is. And, and as you think about it, I, I just want to remind you that, uh, that the cross still stands. You know, as we come to this place tonight, and Easter's the time, on Easter Sunday, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we, tonight, are remembering the sacrifice. Because without the death, there would be no resurrection. Without the brutality of the cross, there would be no resurrection. And folks, I want to remind you that the cross was not something that was uh, in, in the days of Jesus. Nobody carried a cross in their pocket. Nobody wore a cross around their neck. Nobody had a cross in their home. And there was not one place of worship that had a cross on the wall. Because it was a sign of Roman brutality. It was, it was how criminals would die. And so when Jesus was put on the cross, it was, it was not where, where an innocent man would go to die. And Jesus had been, it had been predicted in the, in the Bible that the Messiah would have to be a suffering servant. And so Jesus comes to this earth and he, he comes and he, he pays the price for you and he pays the price for me. And uh, I want to remind you today that the cross still stands. The cross will never lose its power. Would you say that with me tonight? The cross will never lose its power. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't for several decades later that people began to, to use a cross as a spiritual symbol. And I, I was just watching the news this week as we watched Notre Dame over there in France burning. And uh, many of you may have seen this picture here. And I want you to see this because I think it speaks volumes. Uh, and, and in the midst of all the rubble, in the midst of everything, you see the cross still stands. And I think that speaks volumes because that looks like our life half the time, doesn't it? Our life is a mess. It's just got stuff everywhere, doesn't it? And and listen, it falls to pieces and there's brokenness, but right in the middle is the cross. And the cross, and it's just so powerful that 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 cross didn't go down in the midst of this nasty fire. I mean, that building had been there for 850 years, and what's standing in the middle is the cross. And so I want you to know today that the, that the power of the cross, there is power, and the, the cross has power. It will never lose its power. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed for your sin on that cross. And the reason today that we have crosses around our neck, the reason that we put crosses in places of worship is not because it's a sign of Roman brutality, but because it was a sign, it was a symbol of where your freedom was paid for. And so I want to share this with you tonight. Let's just look at the scripture here. John 19, verse 28. And these are Jesus' final moments on the cross. I want you to remember this because he's been through Palm Sunday and it was a high day on Palm Sunday. And then the week progresses and and they come and they they arrest him. And they only arrested him because he said he was God. He had never done anything wrong. He never stole anything. He was nobody's enemy but the enemy of the religious leaders because he said that he is God, and that is who he is. 
John 19, 28, after this, Jesus, he's hanging on the cross, knowing that all things were accomplished. So knowing that everything from the scripture, the, the, uh, there's so much that was fulfilled on the cross. If you go and you look in the Old Testament, you'll see so many of the predictions of what would happen on the cross were fulfilled, even down to his statements that he says on the cross. And and it's so incredible. And he says, knowing that everything had been accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it up to his mouth. So when, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. What was finished? Was it just merely uh, 33 years of this man's life on earth? Is that what was finished? No, it was the price for your soul was finished. It was all things that God sent Jesus to this earth for were finished. And when Jesus hung on that cross and he said, it is finished, it's a, it's a Greek word, it's tetelestai, it means paid in full. And your sin, when Jesus hung his head on the cross, your sin was paid in full. My sin was paid in full. And it was finished. He gave up, he gave up his spirit. You don't have to try to be a good person to get to heaven because Jesus paid for your sin on that cross. You don't have to be beat up by religion. Can I hear an amen tonight? Aren't you glad we don't have to live to some rules and regulations of religion because Jesus died on the cross so that you can have a relationship with God Almighty? So that once for all forever, when he said it is finished, your sins were paid for. He gave up his spirit and then he died. Can we think about that for a moment? God died for you. Jesus came to ransom your soul. Your soul needed a price to be paid. And he died for you. Therefore, because it was, verse 31, because it was the day of preparation, the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. According to the Jewish religious laws, they wouldn't let this be on the cross. This would be horrific to let a dead body hang on the cross on the Sabbath day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might take them, that they might be taken. And so what would happen is when somebody's on a cross uh, and, and through this brutality, their hands are nailed to the cross, their feet are nailed to the cross, and it is basically a matter of time before they die of asphyxiation on this cross. And so to make sure that they would die and to, to hasten the, the death, they would come and they would break the legs so that they couldn't even push up to get any more breath. And so they came to the, to the thief on the left and to the thief on the right. They came and they broke their legs. And look what it says. The soldiers came uh, uh, and broke the legs of the first and the other one who was crucified with him. Verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break, he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Jesus dies for your sin. Folks, there is a reason that he did this, and it wasn't just 
to be a historical figure, folks. It wasn't just to be some historical fact. It was so that you could spend eternity in heaven with God. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has, has seen uh, has testified. And this is John. Remember, John was an eyewitness. He says, look, I saw this, and my testimony, I'm telling you the truth. And I know that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. He says, listen, I'm the one writing this, and I'm telling you, I saw this with my own eyes. I watched him die, and everything was fulfilled. Verse 36 for these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Folks, tonight, I am thankful that the cross still stands. But have you noticed what's different about our cross up there? It's empty. Just like the tomb. Can we thank God for that tonight? Thank God for that. When you come into our church, you'll never see a man hanging on that cross because there's no man hanging on our cross. Amen? Amen. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty because he paid the price. And when we start to understand what was really going on, why did Jesus come? Why did he have to die? We get so excited about the resurrection, but we must understand that Jesus couldn't have just come to the earth and had cancer and and, and, and paid for our sin. He couldn't have just come to earth and died in a car accident. He had to shed his blood. It was foretold from the very beginning of time. God kept telling them from the first sin that entered into the world, he kept giving the promise that the Messiah come, a redeemer will come, that this Jesus will come, that one day he's going to come and he is going to pay the price. Isaiah said that he would be beaten beyond recognition, that you wouldn't even be able to recognize him. Our Jesus was on the cross and his face was emaciated. The the cat of nine tails that just ripped through his body from from the Roman whip. It it just emaciated him with flesh hanging off. And he's hanging on the cross and he's got you on his mind. Let me show you what what, what says here. Romans 5.12 says, For if we... For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We were enemies, we were reconciled. And I want you to catch this. I'm going to leave that verse up here for a little bit because I want you to catch the depth of it. Reconciliation had to happen both ways. It says that while we were enemies, you and I were enemies of God. Now, you don't think of yourself as an enemy of God, do you? The scripture says that we were enemies of God. That means we didn't come out and openly say we were enemy. We were coming out and we were saying, you know, uh, I have my own way. I have my own attitude. I have defiance. I have unforgiveness. I have hatreds. I, maybe not directed towards God, but directed towards other people. And I have all these things. And, and so I have, I have you know... My, my, I have all this stuff that I am holding against this God. And God comes to us. And you know what? God says the wages of sin is death. He says that if, if, if you get what you deserve, you deserve to die and to be separated from God forever and ever. And what the scripture says is a real place called hell. And folks, that's a scary thought. And when I think about the fact, the reality of hell and the reality that I 
Ken Barnard deserved to go to hell and that Jesus left heaven. And God the Father says to God the Son, he says to Jesus, go down to that earth and I want you to pay for Ken Barner. And I want you to pay for everybody in Finleyville. And I want you to pay for everybody, pay for everybody's sin in the entire world. I want you to pay that. And, and you know what? At that point, when he sent his son, we were enemies of God. You, you had nothing in you that said, hey, God, here, let me show you how good and why you ought to come after me. No, you were his enemy. Your back was just totally turned on the master. And he says, wow, we were enemies. We were reconciled by not your good works, but by God. While your back was turned on him, while you were an enemy, while you were far away from God, he came and look how he did it. By the death of his son. Folks, as we come on Good Friday tonight, I want you to know that reconciliation had to happen. One, our hearts need to be changed, but God also made a change. God took the wrath that was directed towards you and he placed it upon Jesus. And that day on the cross, it says in the scripture, it says that, that, that it, was, it pleased the Father to pour out the wrath of God. Isaiah 53.10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, uh, he, he has put him to grief. Uh, folks, I want, you, I want you to catch this because we're reconciled to God because of what Jesus did on that cross. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. Aren't you glad that God doesn't count your sin against you? Can we have a good Friday amen? amen. How about a clap to our Father in heaven? Thank him for that. God calls us as we experience his love and forgiveness to forgive others, to reconcile as he has reconciled us. And so today I want you to think with me about your life because there's only one way to heaven and it was through the cross. And it's Good Friday. But it wasn't very good for the disciples. It wasn't very good for Jesus. He was emaciated. His flesh falling off him on the cross. While I'm out sinning. While I'm holding a grudge on somebody. His flesh is falling off. And his hands are nailed to the cross. And the very creation that he created is groaning. The very creation that he created is spitting on him and mocking him and saying, if you are the son of God, save yourself. And he died for your sin. Tonight I invite you to the cross of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you how that you have this. It's by faith that you reach out to the cross. You don't reach out to the cross with your good works. You don't reach out to the cross by, by church membership, by offering. We didn't even take an offering tonight. Isn't that a first? Huh? Thank God for that. Folks, listen. It is because this is all about Jesus and what he has done for you. You can give him all of your good. And he says, it's not good enough. 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 10, this is a powerful verse, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved from the punishment of your sin. You'll be saved from hell's fire. You'll be saved from a life of self-destruction. You'll be saved from a life of emptiness, a life of unforgiveness, a life of, of hollowness and shallowness and brokenness. You'll be saved from that. If you'll just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with a heart, you believe unto righteousness. And with the mouth, you confess to salvation. Tonight, folks, the cross still stands. The cross still stands because it was finished. There's nothing you can add to the cross. You can't add another thing to the cross. But I'd like to put up that verse, Romans 10, 9 again. I want you to just look at that tonight with me. And as, as, as we... As we close tonight and prepare for communion in just a few moments, I want to give you the opportunity to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin once for all forever. He was the Passover Lamb of God. All the imagery that God had been telling his people for 4,000 years came to fruition 2,000 years ago on a cross. And, and God said that the Passover lamb, he kept telling the people of Israel, he said, he said look, there, there's going to be a, a, a lamb, the Passover lamb. And, and when he was trying to free his people from, the, from Egypt, there were 10 plagues. And, it, and he, went, he told him, he said, the last one is going to be the death angel. And he said that the firstborn male of all those families that did not have blood on the doorpost, God would take their child. But the ones who had blood on the doorpost and on the side of the doorpost, the death angel would pass over. It was a symbol. It was a sign for us of the lamb because they would have had to kill a lamb. And he put this lamb without blemish. They put the blood on the doorpost. And you know what God wants you to do tonight? It's Passover. Jesus on Good Friday was the Passover lamb. And let me share with you how exciting this is. On, in, in the Jewish culture of that day, what would happen? Remember, there were, there were like three million people swarmed into Jerusalem for Passover. They would come and they would choose their Passover lamb. And they would watch over this lamb for five days. And, and, and then they would take it to the temple and it would, be, it would be slain. And what would happen on the day of Passover? The priest would go out and he would take a, a it was called a shofar. It was kind of like a, 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 a ram's horn, if you will. And they're very hard to play. He, he would stand up and the priest would go out and he would blow this horn at nine o'clock in the morning on Passover. And, and then while he's blowing that horn, it would send all throughout the valley, it would send to all the people signed to stop and have a moment of silence because this was when the priest would sacrifice a lamb at the beginning of the day and it would be symbolic of the, the sins of the people being forgiven. So one priest is out and he's blowing the trumpet 
and, and it just brings everybody to attention. He's got this call to attention. And as everybody has this call to attention, they stop and they pause for a moment. But on this Passover, it was different. Because at nine o'clock in the morning, the priest stood up and he blew the horn. And as he blew the horn, all of a sudden, everybody stopped. But in a distance, you could hear nails. It was the moment of silence. And they didn't know what was going on. But you could hear the Roman crucifixion pounding the nails into the hands and pounding the nails into the feet. And everybody paused for a moment and they could hear the sound of, the, of this mass of Jesus being nailed to the cross and they had no clue it was Jesus. They had no clue it was their Messiah. Well, after the moment of silence, the day picked up and people would go and they would do their sacrifices all day long. And then what was normally, what happened would normally at nine o'clock would be that. And then at three o'clock, another priest would come out. And so normally at nine o'clock, the priest would go out and blow the horn. And as he does that, another priest is in the temple and he's making the sacrifice. Well, on this day, at nine o'clock, he's blowing the horn. The priest is making a sacrifice and the nails are going through Jesus. And then at three o'clock, every year on Passover, this is what would happen. Three o'clock, the the priest would come out and blow the shofar again. And it would be heard all over the Kidron Valley. It would be heard everywhere. And as he would blow that horn, people would stop and have another moment of silence as another lamb was slain. But this time at three o'clock, it was at exactly three o'clock. And John tells us this, Matthew tells us, at three o'clock, Jesus cries as that shofar is blown and as everybody's having the moment of silence the son of god cries it is finished and he paid for your sin folks that is good friday that is why we have communion he said take eat of this bread this is my body drink of this cup this is the juice Tonight, I ask you, will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Folks, I'm more passionate about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ than anything that this life is worth living for. Amen? And I want you to be the same. I want you to walk out of here tonight and have that Jesus in your heart because the shofar has blown and the father looking down upon his own son hears the words, it is finished and Jesus died. But thanks be to God, three days later, Sunday came. Oh, Satan had fun for three days. But we're having fun for millions of years, amen? Amen. This Sunday, more than 2 billion people around the world will worship the risen Lord. I want to invite you. Let's just close with prayer before we go to communion. I'm going to ask you, if that's you, and you say, Pastor Ken, I've not yet opened my heart to Jesus. And if you'd like to open your heart and trust Jesus and start a personal relationship with him, 
I'd like to ask you to pray with me. And I'm going to ask you to do it differently. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud tonight because the verse, I'm going to put the verse back up there. It says, it says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So right now it's dark and we're going to keep the lights low. I don't want anybody looking anywhere but up to the screen. If you're ready to trust Christ, I want you to look at that verse tonight. And I'm going to pray a prayer. You just open your eyes wide and look at that verse because this is God's word, not Pastor Ken's word, not any denomination's word. This is Jesus. That if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised, you from the de- raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So if that's you tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and pray out loud with me. It doesn't matter what your neighbor thinks. It doesn't matter what your mom thinks, what your dad thinks, what your kids think. It matters that you are confessing Jesus tonight. And if that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to do that. I'm going to ask you just to pray with me. And just to repeat these words out out loud after me. We're going to hear it all over this congregation. And folks, at the end, after we hear all these people that have received the Lord, I want you to clap and rejoice like we've never clapped and rejoiced. Amen? Let's, Let's do it. If you're ready to follow Christ, pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. And I admit that I'm a sinner. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I believe that God the Father raised you from the dead. I invite you into my life. And I ask you to save me. Thank you for the life that you're giving me. Can we just rejoice with many in this room that prayed for the first time tonight? (laughs) Folks, I, I I think that after a night like that, we ought to rename this Best Friday Ever. Amen? Best Friday Ever. I'm going to ask the gentlemen who are serving communion if you'll go and get the elements. We're going to bring the lights on dimly so you can receive communion. I'm just going to pray for you, and we're going to receive the Lord's table tonight. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you for the many people in this room who opened their hearts to trust you. Lord, many people in this room for the first time gave their heart to Jesus, and you stepped into their life. It is finished. The battle is over in their life. They don't have to hold grudges anymore. They don't have to hold unforgiveness and bitterness. They don't have to be beat up by religion. They don't have to be a slave to anything. They're yours. They're your servants, God. And you said that there would be more joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to you than over the 99 who never left. God, tonight we are rejoicing as a church and we are rejoicing with the, th- with the hundreds of people in this room tonight. We're rejoicing with the, with the billions around the world that you are the risen Lord. God, as we receive this communion, I ask now that you will be honored and adored. In your name we pray, amen. Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. They're gonna serve the bread. And as they do, I'm going to ask everyone to retain the bread till 
till everyone has been served. Um, Luke twenty two nineteen, Jesus was having the Last Supper. It was the it was the last Passover meal, and we call it the Last Supper because it really was. It was the last time that uh, that he would have a meal with them. And as he came and he has this meal with uh, with these people, with his disciples, the elements. And again, Jesus was the master visual teacher. He would take and he would he would go and he would he would break the bread. So this bread that you're receiving tonight, it's uh, it's kind of matzah bread. It, there's uh, there's no yeast in it. That's because in the Passover, there was no yeast in the bread, and and, and the yeast represented sin. And so they had to have unleavened bread, bread that had no yeast in it. So tonight as you hold that, I want you to remember, Jesus picked it up and he said, do this in remembrance of me. I'd like to put up a verse of scripture tonight for the Lord's Supper here. And this is from, we have it there, I think. There we go. Maybe we don't. Okay. I have it here. Luke twenty-two nineteen. Jesus was with the, with the disciples in the upper room. And as he comes and he says, this is, this is my body. Luke twenty two nineteen says, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Folks, tonight, as you hold that bread, I want to encourage you to thank God. You know, I was thinking about this all day. I've been thinking about this all week that Jesus didn't say, you know what? Every time you have bread and fish, remember me. Remember when he divided the loaves and the fishes? I thought that was pretty cool. He doesn't say to remember him then. He doesn't say every time that you think of wine, water turning into wine, remember me. He says, when you come to Passover, you take that bread, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pause for a moment. I'm going to ask you to pray over your bread. And ask you to talk to God and thank Him, just like Jesus did when He gave thanks. He ate, he ate it. Oh God, thank you for the symbol that you gave us. Your body was broken for us, without sin. You gave that on the cross for us. Blessed be Your name, God. We love You. We adore You. Be honored as Your people worship You now through your table. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's take together. He also took the cup. Part of the uh, part of the elements at the Last Supper. Not only was there bread, but there was also the, uh, the cup. And so he takes the cup. Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. I'm going to ask everyone to retain the cup till everyone has been served. He takes the cup, Luke 22:20. 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. This is the new agreement between God and man. He had given them the Ten Commandments. All in the Old Testament, there was a thing known as the law. And, and you can go and you can read the law, and there was rules and rules and regulations. And God says, you know what? I've given you a new agreement. This is a, a, an agreement between God and man. 
It's my blood. And he didn't mean that this juice was actually blood. He didn't mean that that bread was actually his body. This was symbolic. And he says, look, every time you come and they did Passover meal, he wanted them to remember what he was going to do. Because after he had the Lord, the Last Supper, it's just a matter of very short hours until he's in trial, until he's betrayed, until he's hanging on the cross until he says it is finished. So tonight I invite you as we look at this juice, look at that and and take in the symbol that Jesus gave us. This was his blood. And, And just think about that. Wow. He who knew no sin took your sin and with it he took the wrath of God. What a powerful God we serve. Amen. Just bow your head and thank the Lord for that tonight. Let's just have a moment and thank him. Oh God, we come before you tonight because we love you. It is our joy and our privilege to gather here to set aside Good Friday. We've heard the shofar blow tonight, Lord. And we've heard the words, it is finished. God, we're doing what you told us to do to remember this cup, to remember this bread. God, I pray that tonight, Lord, your people will worship you. Thank you for giving us the symbol. Thank you for providing these elements tonight, this bread and this juice. We thank you for the new agreement between God and me. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Aren't you excited to be here tonight? Let's thank our great God. When when you came in tonight, there there were these Frisbees on your chair, all right? I want to encourage you. Take that and invite somebody for Easter. We're going to be here tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. There's no child care tomorrow night, but there is on Sunday at 9.30 and 11. And I'm going to ask you to, to, uh, to hand that out to somebody. There's hundreds of them in the foyer. Take, take a few hundred, all right? And I, w- I want to encourage you. Uh, invite a few people. You know what? Somebody told me this today. We've been asking our church, we've been asking you to pray for your one. And somebody told me, They invited their one, and their one's coming on Easter. Can we thank God for that? Can we thank God for that? So I ask you, who's your one? Who's your one? Can we thank all of our people tonight, all of our drama people? Can we thank them? Our band. Praise the name. 